Thank you, Jin, for reading that. So we are back in Capernaum. If you remember back to last week, the calling of Levi, also in Capernaum. It's a little fishing village to the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. It was obviously a Jewish area, but under Roman rule. The the empire of Rome was uh, occupying that whole area, which meant that every single town, every single village, every city had a representative of Rome who was in charge of that area. And in Capernaum was a centurion a mid-ranking Roman official and who had a job. His job was basically to keep the peace, so stop uprising, to collect taxes, if you remember Levi from last week, and basically to ensure that the Roman Empire could rule successfully over the area. Now, the Romans were, were very smart. They were very advanced as civilization, but they were also brutal. Ever seen the film Gladiator or something like that? Like incredible amounts of violence that could happen. So this centurion would have had a fearsome reputation, but as we're going to see in a moment, the centurion actually acts in a way of incredible humility, incredible love as he seeks out a healing. So here's my three points. First up is this, the healing, when we pray for healing, when we're praying for our friends, when we're praying for our neighbors, when we're praying for people that we love, healing must always come from a place of love. I don't know what your experience of healing ministry has been. It might be that you're the person who just gets so excited anytime there's someone to pray for. If you've been involved in maybe healing on the streets or you've been involved in Sozo or inner healing prayer or wonderful organizations like PyHop, this is probably like what you, you love and you live for. But I guess for many of us, like healing can actually feel like a tough ministry. Maybe you've watched the wrong Christian TV channel where it's almost seen like, you know, you exchange magic uh, for money. You know, just reach out and send us a gift. And if you send us a gift, then someone will get healed today where it seems like hype, where it doesn't seem like it's out of love. But if you notice in today's passage, both the centurion and Jesus act out of an amazing place of compassion and an amazing place of love. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, this wonderful picture of the kingdom, which we have used a lot over the weeks, um, it talks about when everything else is broken, when everything else has fallen away, three things will always remain in the kingdom of God. The three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Everything Jesus and the centurion do comes out of that place of compassion and love. You know, the centurion would have had many servants. He would have had many slaves, which is probably a more accurate term. If someone had got sick, he didn't need to kind of like do something out of his way to seek their healing. He could have just got another one. But yet what we see is this centurion love their servant, love the person who is in their family. And so he gets this entourage, this delegation of Jewish leaders to go to Jesus, to beg Jesus, to plead with Jesus so that Jesus would come and bring healing to his servant's life. And then you see Jesus himself, like Jesus who um, is probably very busy, Jesus who's like performing many miracles, has got places to be, he's got things to do, is interrupted by this Jewish delegation. And what does he do? He drops everything. He goes, responds to the request of an outsider because a Roman is not like a Jewish person, so he'd have been an outsider in the kingdom on behalf of an even more outsider, someone who was a slave. In fact, what Jesus is doing is he's actually fulfilling the very words that he's opened up his human account with on earth with, by saying in, when he said in Rome, uh, Luke 4, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord 
is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, see the place of salvation. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, see the place of calling, and then recovery of sight for the blind. There you are, you see the place of healing. Healing, when we're praying for healing, healing is not magic, it's not power games, it's not fame and notoriety, it's compassion and it's love. So healing comes from love. Second thing is, healing comes from humility. Like the centurion is this super powerful guy, right? He has total authority and ability to say to uh, Jesus or get his soldiers to go out to Jesus and go, right, come here, we're gonna lock you up until you perform the healing that we need for our servant. Would you just do that? When in fact, what you see of the centurion is an incredible place of low standing and humility. So much so that when Jesus starts to journey towards the centurion's house, what does he do? He then sends out a second delegation because he realizes that if Jesus is gonna come into his house as a non-Jewish man, that with inside Jewish custom, he would actually make Jesus an unclean. There would be a defilement. And so he sends out this second like, group of people to say to Jesus, hey, don't come, like, don't stop. Stop where you are. You don't even need to come into my house. He he starts to use this uh, language of authority figures. He says, look, I have people who I can say, go and do this and do that. But actually, you are more important than me, Jesus. You have authority over me, Jesus. You are in charge, Jesus. So Jesus, like, just say the words. From where you are, say the words. He puts himself in that place of subservience. When we think of healing, we're not invoking the power of a magical being to do something. We come always in humility to the will of God. You know, as Jesus himself is approaching the cross, literally in agony. He's sweating blood because he's in so much emotional pain. He cries out to God, God, I don't wanna do this but just say the words, take this away, but not my will, but your will be done. When we're talking about healing, we have to recognize that sometimes God has a bigger story than our story. That sometimes God is out working an eternal story. And our job is always to come to, uh, under obedience to the will of God. So healing has two foundational aspects. One is it has to come from love. The second one is it has to come out of a place of humility. But then really it all centers around this third concept. If you read about healing really anywhere in the New Testament, you will always see this word come up. And the word is faith. Out of the foundations of love, out of the foundations of humility, faith is the critical component of the healing story. When Jesus sees the faith of the centurion, when Jesus sees the faith of centurion, he is astonished. So what is faith? And how on earth does faith work if we wanna pray for people around us? Well, the dictionary says, Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. 
Or if you remember this song, anyone remember this song? This will date you entirely. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. If you, if you know what song that comes from, special kingdom bonus point, you can write it in the chat. We'll test to see if you got it right. It's actually a quote from Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says, now faith is the insurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. You see, like the centurion, he even as a non-Jew recognizes who has the power, recognizes who has the authority. He recognizes that Jesus is the only one who can heal. That's why he uses those words which have gone down in history. Just say the words and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. He recognizes the centurion that he needs to put his full trust. He needs to put his full weight. He needs to put his full hope in God's power. Faith is trusting in God's power. But I feel like, right, faith is a tricky concept when we're praying for people, isn't it? Because we could say, well, hey, God is sovereign. God is powerful. We're going to stand over here recognizing that God can do whatever God wants to do. Like if God wants to heal someone over there, then God will heal someone. If God wants to change a situation over there, God is going to change a situation over there. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to stand back and wait just to see what God is going to do. Or we say, well, no, that's not what faith is. Faith is recognizing that in heaven, there'll be no more pain and suffering. And we praying for the things of the kingdom. And if God's will is that no one should suffer, so therefore we're going to stand and we're going to like command, pray for, claim the promises of healing. And we're going to basically say that God is going to heal you. And if it doesn't happen, we basically say, well, the only possible reality is that we didn't have, or the person didn't have enough faith. Well, how do we deal with faith. Well, I want to suggest that what Jesus gives us, the centurion gives us, is a third way to think about healing, a middle way to think about healing. To pray in faith is actually to move into the unknown. It's to move into the now, but the not yet. It's to push in. It is to come and ask regularly, repeatedly, by faith, with thanksgiving, asking that God's sovereign power would heal, even though we know we're moving into an area of mystery. Emmy Wilson, who spoke a few weeks back, she has these amazing stories of healing and God on the move. It was amazing to hear one from Lisa as well this morning. But I, I remember saying to Emmy a while ago, it's like, how, how on earth is it that you know so many healings happened? And I used to think, oh, I wonder if it's just because they're so holy at that church. Or I wonder if it's because they're just so posh, really, and they know how to stand in the right places and say the right kind of words, or they know how to invoke the spirit of healing in things, or what, like, what is it? And then as I got to know Emmy and I got involved in HTB in church in London, what I realized is that the reason that they see so many healings is that they are unafraid and unashamed to pray all the time for anyone. Right, if you walk into that church and you have a slightly sniffly nose, probably pre-COVID because 
it's different now, but pre-COVID, they will pray for you. They'll lay a hand on you. They will pray for you. If you go in there and you have two legs, they're going to pray for you. If you go in there and you've got one leg, they're definitely going to pray for you. you know, that church has become a church which is renowned because in all situations, for all people, it is a church of prayer. John Wimber, who was like the very famous voice behind the vineyard movement, he was a, a guy who actually sp- used to teach here at Fuller in Pasadena. He, he said, when we stand over here and we pray for no one, guess how many people get healed? None. When we stand over here and we pray for everybody, guess how many people get healed? Lots of people get healed. There's no doubt that we have to stand recognizing that, fa- that praying for healing is a mystery. Sometimes God will say yes immediately. Like we've seen it in our family this last week. We've been praying for healing for each other a little bit, and we've seen God heal miraculously. At other times in my life, I've seen God do amazing things. But other times, God will definitely seemingly say no, and that can be really painful. I have a little list, actually, that I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. Hey, God, you know when I prayed for all these people, what happened? And I'm hoping he's going to tell me. And then, of course, there are many other times when God will say, well, just not quite now, just not in this space, just not in this moment. But when we pray, we walk into the reality, as it says also in 1 Corinthians 13, that now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but one day we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will fully know. Entering into prayer for healing means coming not half-hearted, but with boldness with confidence, knowing that whatever we pray, God hears us, that God knows us, that God will act, and he will work his kingdom into being. So how do we do it? All right, I mean, just like bluntly speaking, how do we in our own lives, how do you, how does our church become a place where we pray for healing all the time, everywhere? Well, Couple of just things to finish with. The first one, are you ready for something deeply profound, okay? In the words of the great Saint Saint Nike of Portland, Oregon, we just do it. We just do it. That there is no other way of working faith than to engage our very beings in stepping forward. Now, no one wants to hear that. Sunday morning, please don't tell me I have to do something, especially something scary. But the first movement is always to take the move toward Jesus. You see what the centurion did? He did something. Um, I've told some of you this story before, but a number of years ago, uh, I had this uh, little company which we were just starting up, and I had literally one person who worked for me. And uh, let's say this guy was called Dave. His name wasn't Dave, but um, he was basically the grumpiest human being that the world has ever seen. He was this big tattooed guy um, who looked extremely scary. And we worked, he and I, in this metal shipping container with windows. Basically, that's what it was. And because I was just getting going in business, I didn't fully understand these things. So I sat in the back of the shipping container with my laptop open doing all the businessy stuff. And I got him to sit in the front of the shipping container in order to like greet the customers. Now, clearly, that was a terrible idea because he was terrible at customer service. But one day, he came in 
to the, like the shipping container, even in a worse mood than normal. I think it was like a Monday morning. And he came in, he was like, you know, I, I, he was just like growling at everybody, uh, growling at me. And, and I just said to him, hey, mate, like, you know, are you okay? What, what's going on? He said, no, I didn't even sleep a wink last night. My back is so terrible. Like it just hurts all the time. And so he, he like came into the back of the shipping container and I thought, oh no, it's like I just heard this talk, I think the, the day before at church about healing and how God wants to heal people. I thought, well, man, I'm just gonna have to pray for healing. And so I said to him, hey, look, you know, this is gonna seem a bit weird, but you know I'm a Christian, right? Like, could I, could I just pray, pray for you for healing? And, and I was expecting him to like just punch me there and then, but he didn't because I was his boss. But he, he, instead, he was like, yeah, all right. So then I thought, oh, this is going to get really weird because we're in the back of a shipping container. Okay, I'm just going to lay my hand on your back. It's not weird. And, and I said, I'm just going to pray. And so as quickly as I possibly could do it with the least eloquence of ever, I just said, oh, dear Lord Jesus, I know that you don't want pain. You don't want suffering. You can heal. You've got the power to heal uh, my, this guy here. Could you just heal him in Jesus' name? Amen. And as fast as I could possibly like take my hand off him, um, I, I did it. And he obviously was a bit like, you know, why is this bloke like laying his hand on me? And he just disappeared off. And much later in the day, he came back and uh, we were just having a chat. I said, hey man, you seem a bit happier. Like, you know, are, are you okay? How's your back? He said, oh yeah, yeah, it's totally better. It's totally better. Now he didn't at that moment just like lay, his, lay on down and you know, come to Jesus. It was actually like a number of years later before he told me that he started to go to his local church and, and find out about Jesus for himself but it was awkward, it was tricky. Like I felt super like I didn't know what I was doing. But I think God honors the place of risk. God honors the place of risk. And if you wanna see a healing miracle, actually try outside the church because actually you might see something that you won't even see inside the church. But I know that's scary. Like I know some of you will be going, well, fine, Ben, but I am not about to get in the five-hour line to go into Trader Joe's tomorrow morning and pray for the person next to me. It is not happening. That is way too scary. So like, how do we do it? Well, I want to suggest that maybe we could just start this week by taking some baby steps. Like, what if like, you just text your friend after this service who you know is struggling? What if you just said to them, hey, I just want you to know that, that I'm thinking of you, and I just want to know that I'm praying for you that you would get better. Like, is that okay? Could we do that this week? I'm assuming you all just said yes, because I can't see you, but I'm going to assume you all just said yes. It's okay to take baby steps. Like, whatever we're learning, whether it's faith, or it's healing, it's okay to just kind of take the little steps. Like, I, this is not to do with healing, but just indulge me in this story a minute. Like, um, I, love, I love cars. I've always loved cars since I was like three inches tall. No, that's tiny. Let's say like one foot tall. Like, I've always, always loved cars, but I've never been any good at fixing cars. I've owned, I just buy cars, I own them, I sell them on, like I get other people to fix them. My family are all engineers, they know how to fix everything. I have friends who run like workshops and stuff, they fix things for me. But when I came to LA, I, I had a weak moment and I bought this really old, kind of like broken down BMW. And I thought it's okay, because I'll find, like I'll make friends with a guy who runs a workshop in Pasadena and he'll fix it for me and it'll be okay. And then I thought I'll take it to one of these well-known garages in Pasadena. And I realized that here in Pasadena, if you take your car to a workshop to get fixed, basically before they'll even look at it, you have to remortgage your house because it's so expensive to get cars fixed here, right? So then I was left with a problem, like how am I gonna fix my car, which has like a million things that need sorting out on it? And for a while, the car just sat there, nothing. 
But over time, I thought, well, come on, like, I could do this. And so I started to kind of do a bit of research, watch some YouTube videos, did some readings, joined the owners forum. And over time, I've been able to like, just do a little thing, like just a little tiny repair job, replace a little piece or do this. And just gradually, like little by little bit, William's been helping me a lot, as of some of the rest of you, um, we've managed to do bits and do bits until this week we managed to change the whole roof mechanism on the car. Like, we didn't start with this massive moment. We started with something small. And I, I long, you know, as I finish, I just want to say this, I, I long that vintage Pasadena would be known as a place of healing. I long that as people walk through Pasadena that they would go, oh, you've got, you've got a pain, you're struggling physically, emotionally. Oh, you should so go and meet the vintage Pasadena guys because they would love to pray for you. Like the reason we have a prayer ministry team like Lisa and others who are so important to us, every week we're like, get on the prayer ministry call. Come on guys, get on the prayer ministry call. The reason we do that is because we wanna be a people who pray in every situation. We want to pray for everyone, knowing that very often we will see people heal. We do not want to be the church that never prays and therefore never sees people healed. And so I want to ask you, just as we finish, and I know it's been super practical and I hope a little bit challenging, like who this week might you step out and pray for? Who might God be asking you just to take a step forward? Maybe the answer is you. Maybe this morning you've come with pain. Maybe you've come with heartache. Maybe you've come with physical, a physical issue. In just a moment, a link will come up along the bottom and our prayer ministry team will be there and they would love to pray with you. That might just be your step one. Go get prayed for. So that therefore, later on, you could pray for somebody else. We want to be a people who pray for others. I want to be someone who's brave enough to pray for my neighbors for the people I will meet tomorrow morning. I want you to be people who are brave enough to pray for your neighbors because I want to see people out of love, out of compassion, out of humility and mercy, experience the healing power of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, we, we come with literally no ability to heal anybody. I guess if we're really honest, for many of us, we probably feel a bit like failures in the world of healing. But Lord, I know that for many of us, like me, we're desperate. We long, we long to be able to see the people that we love healed. We would long to see people encounter the miraculous power of God in their lives. And yet, Lord, if we're honest, we're probably very scared, a lot of us in this area. That maybe the enemy has just told us so many times, just don't do it, it's embarrassing, like it's too scary, just don't do it, shut up, sit down. And we've kind of believed that lie. And so Holy Spirit, I wanna, I wanna simply invite you as Daniel and the guys start to play. I wanna invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and move in us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm not going to hype anything up, but just where you are, you might want to simply just put out your hands by a posture of wanting to receive what God might want to say to you this morning.
And just now, Holy Spirit, would you even release healing now? Would you release healing even now? Like even before we pray for each other, would you just start to heal people right now, we pray. Come Holy Spirit. Yeah, we need your power in our lives, God. We're so helpless without you, but we're so grateful for you. I just felt, um, as I was just praying, that maybe it's just the word sad. And maybe you've just come to church this morning very emotionally in a sad place, that you have a, an emotional pain and wound. And just a sense that God would want to meet you and heal you this morning. And if that's you, I'd love to invite you onto our little prayer ministry call that's now live, and you can join in on Zoom via that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your kingdom is coming. Your will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing as we pray right now. We pray in faith with thanksgiving that you will heal people even this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.